The reason people aren't financially free is they don't know what to do and they don't know where to start. I want you to join Joey and I at the Virtual Inner Circle Live April the 4th through the 6th as we share with you the exact answers to those questions. We only do this event one time per year. I don't want you to miss out. Go to westwatwallstreet.com forward slash live and enter promo code podcast. When you're at this event, you're going to get your investor DNA. You're going to get access to up to six different passive income strategies. So you know, leaving this event, exactly what to do, taking our decades of knowledge so that you can start becoming financially free. Go to wealthwhitewallstreet.com forward slash live and enter the promo code podcast. I'm trying to figure out after going through that interview with Neil Twa, Joey, why in the world would I not take the same $35,000 I was going to send my daughter to college for her first year and not send her through that program for 12 months. Not only would I believe she would learn business at a high level, no matter what she ended up doing, but most likely at the end of that 12 months, she might actually have a business that's producing two, five, 10 times the amount of income that she could create in anything else. Tell me why I'm wrong. I don't think you're wrong, Russ. I think you're, I think you're living right and uh, thinking right because I mean, let's be honest. How much business did you learn in college? Uh, business? No, yeah. zero, nothing. I mean, nothing. I, I learned how to, I learned how to wait tables, right? Like, so there was some delegation skills I learned there. And, you know, I, I, I learned the power of sales, you know, hey, you know, smile, do something. I learned some of that, but in the actual school itself. I was about to say, you didn't have to do that. Uh, you, you could have learned that outside of college. That, right. that was literally outside of the classroom that you did that. So why wouldn't we invest? And like, it, it seems like we're so easily to write a check to a university because it's the norm, but so hard to write a check to a course or to a coaching group that could potentially teach you 10 times more in less time. I, I mean, I'm, I'm just... You. I am sold. I, I really am. I just, just sitting there. It's like, man, I'm going to send my daughter to our inner circle live event and I'm going to pay for her So that way she actually can go in the drawing and I'm putting her name in the bucket to win the $35,000 coaching program. <laughs> Cause I'm just like that, that is the best raffle ticket option I have. I know she's going to learn something out of inner circle live. And if she's the one that's pulled, there's just no way that $35,000 course over 12 months would not significantly change her life forever. It would just be amazing. No doubt. No doubt at all. So if you missed our first episode with Neil Twa from Voltage Business Builders, um, you're going to want to go back and listen to that because we don't get into the very basics of building an e-commerce brand, uh, your own private label. But we do get into, in this episode, some key takeaways for those people who want to get started but don't know where to even start like what kind of products could i possibly sell you gotta you're gonna pay attention to this episode for those who are like wondering where should i be investing right now in light of a recession you're gonna to want to listen because neil tells you exactly what's going on in the e-commerce space and how it's fighting back against inflation and recession so well, what you, else would you add to that, Russ? Well, you, you think about the fact that we are seeing trends in that world right now that makes this ever more important. As you just said, inflation, the economy, the fact that people now are downloading uh, and purchasing on their mobile devices 
even greater so than the desktop, which is that's the first time ever. Uh, they just saw sales in the fourth quarter of 2022 exceed any year that we uh, that Amazon had had in purchases uh, before that. This is the opportunity, right? We know that we are now buying on Amazon for everything. Why not plug into the opportunity? Be one of the 90% of sellers who are small business owners, but don't have to have a warehouse to make this happen. Like this process he teaches is amazing. And you and I have seen behind the scenes of at least two of the Wealth Without Wall Street uh, members who've gone through their coaching model and seen the success. This isn't fake, guys. I've seen the numbers. This is ridiculous. Right. And it's why I'm so uh, Joey, I, be honest, I just may take off in 2023 and just do this myself and let you run the business here. Is that cool? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. We may, we may need to take that offline. Um, <laughs> I don't know. If that's for the podcast. All right, well, we'll have to have that conversation <laughs> later. Let's don't take any more from this interview. Let's jump in right now with our good friend, Neil Twa. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Wealth Without Wall Street Tribe. You're in for a treat to hear again our friend Neil Twa, the Amazon expert, trainer extraordinaire. Neil, so glad to have you on the show again, my friend. Thanks for having me back, guys. I appreciate it. Well, it's exciting because we're getting ready to have you here in Birmingham with us. We're going to be sharing the Voltage experience for those who have been kind of listening to some of the podcasts, not only that you've done, but also some of the, the students that have gone on and listen to the podcast and then gone through your training like Bryce Shields and Neil um, and Daniel Espy. And there's five or six others that you've mentioned that we haven't interviewed yet. I would love to just kind of help the person who hasn't had a chance to go through this, see what it's like, not only from the front end, but also kind of peering behind the scenes, if you will, pulling back the curtain and looking at what made some of those people successful. Yeah. But on a high level, can I just start off with what is it that your company does and how does it help people? Yeah. So in simple terms, we launch, uh, grow and scale uh, what are profitable uh, e-commerce companies. And we focus on Amazon FBA's channel for first uh, market channel with those businesses. And our goal in, uh, is the exit of that company within 24 to 36 months. So we build for exit. And okay. use, well, FBA is a term that most people don't understand, right? Sure. That's We're going to throw it all out here and then we'll get it all clarified. So FBA is fulfilled by Amazon. It's actually a company they purchased somewhere around 2008 and 2009, if memory serves me correctly, uh, for the specific ability to get packages, what's called last mile to the customer. That's to the doorstep. So they created an amazing infrastructure and have literally developed more than $15 billion into that infrastructure. Now they have their own ships and airplanes. Uh, to get those products and so we leverage that okay it's a huge leverage uh, so we don't need employees and warehouses full of product amazon does that for us and fba or fulfilled by amazon allows that to happen so i don't have to sit in a warehouse and have employees shipping products for me so that that's the main reason that that's your focus one of the there's main other, reasons other, absolutely yeah there's other ways you could have set it up but this is the Correct. most 
uh, lean, mean way to build a business. Yeah, a lot of other infrastructure costs would have been on us, you know, for the employee, the warehouse, the leasing and the management of that and the product and logistics part that we now let Amazon manage for us. Uh, we have third party agencies um, that are uh, 3PLs, as are referred to, third party logistics companies that are doing that as well um, for other businesses, e-com, et cetera. And we leverage them to bring product to Amazon too. That way we can keep a product lifecycle moving on scale. Clearly, we've just gone through a, a change in the way that people have purchased over the last couple mm. of years. I Good mean, job. my wife was always buying Amazon. She's 10x that model now because a lot of companies, <laughs> I think the, the local retail store is yeah. just gone. And, you know, there's people out there that get really mad and like Jeff Bezos, he's the devil. I don't want to do business with him. And I'm like, it's the devil, you know, sometimes, right? Well, am I right in saying this? Because this was my response the other day is if, if you don't buy from Amazon, you're not buying from the local person because Amazon, I know that they create their own products, but what percentage of Amazon items are not being created by the local entity just being shipped through them? So more than 90% of the products sold on Amazon.com are third-party sellers. It makes up about 2.7 million sellers. Amazon itself has actually been shutting down its brands um, due to thoughts of maybe antitrust. It's not really been thrown out there, but some of that uh, possibility is there, as well as sellers just complaining that Amazon has inside information and can unfairly compete, uh, right. which is antitrust. But the end result is they've done it so poorly that they're one of the worst brands on Amazon. Amazon Basics is one of the worst rated brands. So they don't know how to manage their own brands on their own platform. And so they started to shut them down. And instead, they've just gone out and bought some brands that already manage themselves correctly. And uh, one of those was uh, iRoomba or iRobot, one of the i vacuum cleaning tools uh, that they purchased. I believe it was, it was Robot or Roomba. It doesn't matter. They purchased their own brand. But at the end of the day, um, we compete with them. We can compete with big brands and we can compete with the rest of the regular sellers. So while it's a corporate entity and it has that sort of anti-corporate feel to it, you know, because it's the big evil empire, uh, the majority of the dot-com is third-party people that I can compete with. Um, and I can even compete with big brands head-to-head. -head. Well, I, I love your strategy and I love hearing the stories of people who have been successful using yeah. it. For those that are, are hearing this and are like, man, okay, I get it. Amazon is the behemoth that everybody would want to sell their products on. Yeah. But there's the, the very first thing in my mind, how do I figure out a product? Like, I mean, there's maybe somebody that's sitting there and they're like, you know what? I've got this amazing idea and I would love to get it on Amazon. Yeah. And they're just fired up sure. but for the 99 other people behind them who are like, what could I sell? Yeah. How does your process help that person? So we have a saying in our company, it's a, what the hell do I sell? Um, because it, back in the day when I got my first, one of my first coaching clients, um, like eight years ago, I sat down with this guy and I explained, okay, here's how we look at products. Here's how we do research. Here's how we can identify products and how we can help you learn to do what we call train your brain to identify product and product opportunities that are literally everywhere sitting around us right now, even in your current home or car or wherever you're listening to this from. And we get to the end of this conversation and he just goes blank stare and he just says, but dude, what the hell do I sell? And I realized we hadn't quite long, you know, we hadn't quite <laughs> locked this in just yet, right? So the idea, again, is to train your brain, is to look at your environment and realize that literally in simple terms, if you could look at your Amazon uh, history, your buying history, and if it's your wife or significant other buying, click, 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 click on their mobile devices, 
um, the last 90 days, you're going to look at the products and you're going to realize that more than 70% of those products you purchased came from third party sellers. So in that moment, what you need to train your brain on is the realization first and foremost that I can sell products just like that. Other people are doing it. Why not me? So in that environment, if you look and see the kind of products you've uh, purchased, um, you can identify product types that are selling profitably. First level analysis. Are they selling on Amazon? Are they being sold by a third party? Well, they're going to have to sell those profitably. Their definition of profit and my definition of profit uh, will determine whether or not I think the model is good or whether they think it's okay. I don't think a dollar in profit per unit is good. I think a minimum of $12 in net profit, okay, what I actually put in my pocket after one unit is sold and after all of Amazon's fees and stuff are taken care of, that I'm actually putting that minimum in my pocket. That way I can, you know, pay my kids and, and pay my house and pay for things in life that I need to do. Can, can, can I ask you real quick? Sure. Stop you midstream there. You came up with that formula somehow, some way. Tell Correct. me where did the $12 per unit come from? It came from trial and error, launching our own brands. Um, we started with arbitration, you know, buy low, sell high, see what we could do in the in the 2011 period. But 2012, we started into brands. And as we started launching products into brand, we discovered a couple of things about the ecosystem that Amazon has. It has organic traffic, which we would refer to as just traffic from searches that are coming through that end up in your listing and buy your product. But there's also pay-per-click or marketing campaigns inside of Amazon you can use too. So when we discovered that the campaigns themselves in Amazon actually can rank your product organically, which there's nowhere else in any search engine that you can do this, uh, we discovered that we needed more profit per unit to compete higher and buy more customers away from our competitors. And because of that, we kept raising the profit bar to a level to determine where's the minimum amount of competition for most of the product types that we want to launch on Amazon. What is that low bar and where do we want to keep that at? And of course, we want to increase that or we want it to be higher, but where's that bottom line, right? Where does it exist to compete and buy traffic and sales away from the competition? This podcast is amazing, almost too amazing, Russ. There's too many ideas, and I don't know where to get started creating passive income. Well, here's the thing, Joey. I think one of the things you need to consider in that statement is what is it costing you to not know? What is it costing you not to take action? I love the statement that says you don't have to be great to start. You just have to start to be great. If you're struggling on where to start, you have to know what type of investor you are. Know your investor DNA. And if you want to learn more about this, you can join us in our Passport Challenge at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport. Get started today. All right. So well, can I break this down for Joey, who, you know, thankfully he knows probably more about this than me, but I'm just going to pretend it's Joey, right? It's probably me and he's going to probably <laughs> yeah. correct me on that. I said it wrong. But what you're saying is, is if I can get $12 of net profit for every unit, then I have a, a handful of dollars that I can use to go market, to buy myself up the list to when somebody types in, you know, yellow teddy bear or, you know, purple uh, unicorn. Yeah, four, four. Uh, you know, four Probably person uh, camping tent or name the product right that they're searching for. Yeah. I've spent money to get myself up that list, and if I can make myself profitable, ultimately I can be one of the top two or three people that they're seeing constantly. Which means Sorry. I'm going to sell more product. Yeah, you're going to sell more units. So it starts by buying the customers to validate the product, and there's this pendulum swing, okay, that occurs. It starts with my ads product launch, you know, making sure I have profitability to buy away those customers uh, from my competition. And then organic ranking is going to come up. At some point, 
it's going to be 60% organic and then, you know, 40% PPC. And there's a swing in the side of Amazon system that occurs. Now, without getting too technical, basically what that means is we've taken over some market share. And once we've taken over some market share organically with PPC traffic, that's where the fun begins. So with Daniel in a highly competitive market that he's in, he has nearly $40 in profit per unit on each average unit sold in his business. For that, he has now been able to go out and acquire a lot more customer and market share, which has created significant scale for his brand. So following one of the fundamental pillars, there's four of them, uh, of the model, profitability being first, which is what we're touching on right now. Uh, the second one being growth, as I find profitability and I get my organic sales up and I see that I'm being successful with this product. And it's initially a test product, which I want you to understand. We, we do micro testing and investing first, okay? Uh, and then when to determine if it's growth capable, then it's a product that we can really fully private label brand, customize, grow, and scale, okay? Growth being the second, scale being the third. Growth is not scale, just so we're very clear. Growth shows purchase intent. Scale shows I really hit the market and now I've got a wide open mass appeal to take this product and scale it both vertically, which means I'm gonna give it to more people who are looking for the same products, or horizontally, which means I'm gonna move into separate segments of that demographic and sell a similar product to different segments of the demographic, okay? So an example with that scale or growth, because I can see smoke coming out of your ears, is the uh <laughs> is the, the bike glazed seat. look he's got the glazed look going he's, yeah it's okay we got it it's simple concept like you're gonna there's a bike seat you can go down to walmart and buy a cheap chinese piece of plastic and stick it between your legs for men i would not advise that there's a second product okay which is the nicer one with a little bit of shell cushing which is like okay maybe i'll ride that i'm a dad i got my you know uh, sweater on and i'm gonna go out with the kids around the block and ride a nice little thing and i'm not you know bumping on a piece of plastic and then there's the urban outfitter environment pikes peak edition all right, which is the $99 bike seat with the gel cushion and it's got the removable covers and it's got the hole in the middle so your crunching munches don't get jumbled up while you're going down the hill and banging and banging. You now have three <laughs> avatars of the same product, right? So yes. the difference between growth and scale would be to take growth in a market and sell a particular product that shows upside potential and has profitability, major factors but also has mass market appeal to take it out to demo, you know, demographics that were not part of the original product. So we look for products and that's something Daniel has done and others have done to become successful is to recognize market and product opportunities that have a solution. When the solution is there that solves a pain point and a problem, uh, and that could be a pain point and a major problem, okay? I, you know, especially for those of you buying some down here who might wanna have kids someday, I don't advise that. Uh, then you, you know, you want to grow that to scale and that leads to the potentiality that you could exit something profitable, but it's all about the profit. And that's when we discovered, you know, making sure we have high profitable products in demand. And I started setting up, um, criteria, criteria for the kinds of products we would sell, the kinds of places we would take them in Amazon to start. I think it's important for those who are, who are understanding this. We're not just Amazon FBA channel locked as it's referred. It means those products that I just gave you that example of are products that I can take into mass market. I can send them to other channels. I can take them into retail. I could put them in wholesale. I can put them on infomercials. I can stick them in other marketplaces. I could put them on QVC. It has a mass market appeal for multiple channels. I just take people who are new into Amazon FBA first for one major problem solving at the end of this. And that is literally getting eyeballs on the offer. That is getting people to actually look at their products that purchase them. So th that's a great point there. I don't think we've ever talked about that whenever we've interviewed uh, you is on like, obviously Amazon is the first step. It's the behemoth that's out there. It has a lot of eyeballs, but it's not the only 
nope. avenue. It's and, 38% of the market share, just to be very clear. Right. And so that's for, for most lot. people, that means that we need to be there. We need to be operating there. Correct. And then there's certain situations where it makes sense to get into those other. We have a criteria for that too. Once your brand is reaching past seven figures in revenue and your profit margin or triple net EBITDA is, le- is right at 15% or has ability to get to 15, even 18% then you should open another channel, but not until that point. See, we live in the country and I have a saying in the country, you can't ride two horses with one ass. So we're gonna ride that Amazon horse all the way through to knowledge, experience, growth, and scale, and then open multiple channels. Now, Daniel is just now at 2 million in revenue, starting to open a Shopify store and other channels of, of sales for his product, but not until he focused on one thing until successful. And that is why we take new people to the storefront first because it will solve what most people fail at. And that is the eyeballs and the offer. That's actually getting people of buyer intent, okay, to click through. Why is that so important right now? Because you guys should actually realize that in this market, uh, e-commerce has sold more in the last quarter than any year so far. It's a record sales year, uh, year for physical product sales this year, okay? And for the first time ever, mobile sales have surpassed desktop. More people okay, bought so on what, mobile. What does that mean? Here. Like, why, why does that matter? More ladies clicked buy on their Amazon cart purchases this quarter than any time in history. It is significant because it has created the mobile purchasing person, which means you don't have to be setting in from a desktop. It has now changed buyer intent. Okay. And that's so very hold, powerful. Hold I, I'm taking this in and I'm, I'm trying to apply it. It's okay. It excites me. This, <laughs> this is happening in a known recession. That's the thing you must understand about the power of why I'm playing in this for the last decade and we'll be playing in it for the next decade. Because, I mean, everybody is, uh, Russ, correct me if I'm wrong or if I'm uh, misspeaking. How many of the con, like the calls and the, the texts and emails and messages have we received in the last six months that have to do with what should I be investing in in a recession? What, mm, yeah. what should I be investing in right now? Because yeah. nothing seems really safe or stable. And what Neil just said is it's growing leaps and bounds in the midst of a recession. For where I'm going to put my money, to clarify that uh, statement, is I'm putting it in physical assets, assets that I can return. And that could be any kind of asset. I mean, real estate's an asset, guns, bullet, gold, silver, anything's an asset that's physical and tangible, right? Out of a transient wealth. Um, but the end result is I can put that in a physical inventory as well. And I can sell it for five to 10 times what it's worth on Amazon. And it is products that are in demand. Uh, of course, there's concerns that, well, are, what products are recession proof? That's a whole nother conversation to have. Um, but clearly there's plenty of products to be bought um, that are not currently in people's minds as uh, products they wouldn't consume because of inflation or recessionary concerns, clearly. Um, can that change? Absolutely. Everything's changing. But at the same time, I've been through a lot of change in this marketplace in the last decade and nothing's quite as significant as some of the things we're seeing now. So I always like to make sure we cover pros and cons because it is a business and we're going to treat it like a business. This is not a side hustle. It's not a hobby business. And Daniel, for example, and Brian, others did not treat this as a hobby business. They treated it as a true business model. Uh, people will say, well, Amazon isn't a true business model. I just want you to understand e-commerce is a business model. Amazon is just a marketplace. It's a tool. It's a hammer. It's a mechanism. And that's all you need to see it as. Well, uh, and I think the, the key part for people to understand, because we we have a, a business partner who's been very, very, very 
very, 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 very successful in business. Mm-hmm. He, he he runs a, a podcast called The Business School. Like mm-hmm. the guy has had a, you know, a billion dollar exit. And he said that the most efficient way to build wealth is by owning an operating company. What you're talking about is how to build an operating yeah. company, but not have to have all the marketing channels that someone goes out and starts a business without any idea whether or not somebody wants to buy the product. You're saying, hey, no, we're going to not try to invent a new product. We're just going to innovate on an existing one. And we're going to be able to test it in small quantities first. If it works, now we can take the profitability model bringing ourselves up to the top of the marketing uh, list uh, on by, by spending some of that money on the best marketing channel for people to buy products, right? Yeah. I mean, it is the, one of the models I found to be most successful for people who are getting started, who want to achieve freedom in some way, right? They want to set better work hours. They want to get better return on their money. They want to spend time with friends and family. They want to go on a four-week vacation. We were just talking about that a minute ago, Russ, uh, uh, with uh, Joey about which, you know, where we go for vacations. And it was like, well, we get an Airbnb and hang out for a month down in Pensacola. Um, the freedom is the thing that this allows. It allows us to not have to sacrifice those other things uh, in time and energy and money to scale, right? Because it is a one-to-many relationship. I can hit millions of people who are interested in my product and it doesn't, my organic and traffic and growth reach of reaching those people to buy is not something that creates a 50-hour work week for me, right? Um, I can reach them. And, and it, what happens is if people are not careful, they can get bogged down in the idea that an operating company can entrap them in the business. And that's not actually true. When you set it up correctly, what I call almost automated income, okay, then you can set up uh, standard operating procedures. You can have virtual assistants. You can have what are called objectives and key results, OKRs. And you set those principles of fundamental business in place and it does not enslave you to this business model. Daniel works 10 to 15 hours a week on a multi-seven-figure business. It's going to net him a million dollars in profit this year. All right. So that Wait, is ho, 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 ho. Repeat that one more so, time. For the person who just missed that on the treadmill, say that one more time. I feel time. like I'm stealing his glory by saying this out loud. No. <laughs> um, Daniel's company just broke to uh, two million in sales with a million dollars in profit. And he's going to work how many hours a week? He works about that? 10 to 15 hours a week. Of the systems that, that's not, by the way, Joey, that's what uh, my daughter's friend would have qualified as rich based upon her $570 an hour. <laughs> right? I'm just ballparking that that's a little frame. north of 570 yes. But see, yeah. what I'm looking at is people who understand that, look, if I can get a 15% return on my, you know, seven figures and pull out 150000 for 10 hours a week of work or less for that, that segment of model, because it's actually relatively smaller when you get it up, I consider that a win in my book. Now, the others might say, well, that's not great. I want more passive or I need something else. And that's okay. But everybody has a different, a little bit of a different philosophy on how to approach this. I personally, like you, have no wealth in my Wall Street accounts. Um, I don't have a 401k. I don't have a, my retirement plan is continued building brands and exiting them because there's nothing to stop me in this model. Um, Amazon cares about the customer and they care about fuzzy bunny slippers and you know, bicycles and baseball seats and baseball seats, basketball. How did I just put all that together in one sentence? Uh, there's products <laughs> flowing from my brain. I made up new ones just now. Uh, a bicycle, a bicycle basketball seat, guys. I don't know what that means. Go look it up. Um, the uh, the concept is that you can continue to reiterate this, build multiple channels, right? And I think th- to understand the differences, one of the cons I think at times is people do kind of want to oversimplify this, and it is an operating business. There are fundamentals you have to learn. We jokingly say you got to drink from a fire hose in year one. It's like taking a four year uni course in one year. 
but the principles of business apply first, the fundamentals of business and practical business apply second, and then we take product into Amazon FBA. When you understand how that works, you are set up for the major four pillars of success in this model. You will have profitable growth, scale, and an exit potential. That is the fundamental uh, work here. But understand like Daniel, for example, is a go-getter. He's tenacious. He dug in his heels. He got his kids around the table. And that's one of the things I love is that most of the people in our community bring their kids or family members to the table and they're learning how to do transitory wealth. They're putting generational opportunities. They're bringing their kids in uh, as alternatives to education and setting up at the table. And we even have a couple of kids in here that are starting their brands now because of that, right? So they're learning alternatives, not just to wealth, but education too. Uh, All right. and that's a huge upside in my mind. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to round this out. I know we're almost out of time, but oh. I want to, I don't want to miss this. The people, the students that you've been able to work with mm -hmm. over the years that have had success in the e-commerce space. First of all, it's not guaranteed and mm -hmm. there's no, no guarantee. No like, yeah. Hey, once I do this, I will definitely be successful. What right. are those key aspects of those people that you've worked with that have mm -hmm. just had meteoric success? They have typically had some other trouble in life with business. They tried something and it didn't work, but they didn't give up. So they're tenacious. They want to figure out how to make it work. They're willing to put in the effort uh, and they understand the real wealth or business building doesn't happen in three days and a million dollars in 30 days. Um, they recognize that if I take six to 12 months worth of effort in this, then I see this becoming a long-term viable model. So they understand the principles of business. While they may not understand the fundamentals yet, that's something that's gonna be taught. Uh, they typically understand money uh, already to some degree and its use and power and how to work it properly as an asset uh, in their life. And they're typically, have got a framework of family orientation. They've got purpose-driven aspects uh, to this business model or business in general that don't just focus profit first. They're typically people who see fun, people, and profit uh, as the pillars of that. And Daniel and others fall into that category uh, and they want that purpose aspect and the freedom that comes with this kind of model. Is it, so we, we break this down within our investor DNA, right? There's, mm -hmm. there's aspects to someone who's going to be really good with people, someone who's going to be more team oriented, someone who's yeah. going to, um, follow a process very well. And someone who's going to want to invent their own, Somebody's going to want to stay, you know, doing something for a long period of time, somebody who's want to want constant flexibility and ultimate um, adjustment in their schedule. Do you see those things? Do you see like, oh, typically the person who wants this doesn't fit well. The person who likes this does. When you go into some of those traits, what do you, what would your feedback be? They are typically the kind of people who uh, they need a little bit of systemization and once they catch on, they can adapt it to themselves. So they're a little bit process oriented in their mind. They understand that they don't, they invention is cool, but not required. So they're not really in an inventor mindset, an idea mindset, constantly thinking of all new kinds of ideas and ways. Um, they're willing to follow a process to see the output of it. And so from that perspective, they typically have an operator mindset, someone who has already been in operations and understands processes and whatnot, and then sees the process of this uh, as something that they can repeat and grow for themselves. I love it. Well, Neil, thank you so much for coming on again. I'm so excited to have you here in Birmingham sharing with uh, our Inner Circle Live members live, right? So that ah. if, you, if you haven't already signed up, go to wealthwhitewallstreet.com forward slash live, but also go to wealthwhitewallstreet.com forward slash voltage. If you're interested in getting started in this process, Neil has built a 
a, a course, right? That you can go through a webinar series that someone can like start in this process. And I, I love the fact that you, you give this away for free really quickly. What is it that someone would get if they go to wealthwaltwallstreet.com forward slash voltage and go through that process? There's going to be about a 45 minute uh, presentation. It was a podcast recording with myself and Kevin Harrington. Uh, on there talking about how he's done 5 billion in physical products and how we developed a methodology that he's now calling the as seen on TV uh, model of putting your products on Amazon. And we go through the model of that and how we adapt products and stuff. And there's a lot of information given in about 45 minutes uh, that will show you more details of stuff we talked about today and how we think. Um, if you join and sign up for that and there's an e link on there, I will maybe put one on there or not. There's a free course as well that I can give you later uh, with a three-part series. I'm, I'm about giving information and making sure you guys understand what you want. And then there's a call to action to just reach out to me if you think this might be something you want to look a little deeper into. Awesome. Awesome. Neil, thank you for uh, coming from a place of contribution and always adding value to our community, to our tribe. Um, we love having you on the show and can't wait to see you here in Birmingham. If you love today's episode, please like it, share it, review it. Uh, help us beat the big tech algorithm and get the word out about how to create financial freedom through wealth without Wall Street. We'll catch you on the next episode. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.